Well, good morning, church. How is everyone today? We've been greeted already, right? Oh, yeah. It's nice to look out and see some smiles and uh, a smile return. You know, it's catchy, right? You smile, someone smiles back at you even if they don't know you. Yeah. Is it quiet, too quiet right now? Yeah. Yeah. We do need to make some noise. Why don't, why don't we just um, sing? I'm not going to profess to be a singer, so I'll rely on um, uh, Elaine to just sing from where she is. Um, actually, you know what? Why don't we just stand and sing? And, and um, that song pastor was singing, I exalt thee. And um, let's just shut ourselves in with God, okay? If we could, Elaine, if you could just lead us. I exalt thee. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. you this morning, Father God. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We exalt you this morning, Father God. We give you praise today, Lord Jesus. For where your presence is, there you are. There you are, and we want to recognize this morning your very presence in this house. In the quietness and in the stillness, Lord, you are there. And we thank you, Jesus. We pray that, Father God, this morning as your word goes forth, that you would be manifested in it, that you would reveal yourself to every heart that is here, for everyone who is, who is made the stretch to come, O oh God, that you would empower them today with hope, with purpose. Lord Jesus, in this season when it's difficult for so many, I pray, Father God, that you would deposit within us the ray of light to see who you are, to us in the mighty name of Jesus Lord as we look into your word illuminate it to our eyes to our heart and to our mind and father God may you be glorified bind any and every extraction uh, and distraction from centers to circumference that would want to deviate our mind alter our thoughts from what you are wanting us to hear and Jesus we give you praise because it's all about you. Amen and amen. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. This morning, we're in the middle of Advent, and Advent is, uh, I guess, the days before Christmas for any of those that, that like to follow it, but uh, we are going to be looking at God with us, Emmanuel, God with us. That's exactly what we need to hear today. While driving here, and, and, and you pass a, a transport truck, and he's, he's jackknifed in. It, I mean, how, how does 18 wheels leave the road? How does it leave the road? But yet it does. And then right after that, another car and a pickup truck. Uh, there was so many in the ditch, we counted five. Four, four vehicles and a great big transport truck. And, and you just hold on to the steering wheel. Your knuckles go white. And, and you're just believing God, right? You're believing God. And, and I only saw two OPP, but God bless them. They are working hard this morning. They are working hard this morning. Turn with me, if you would, to Isaiah chapter 7, verses 10 to 14. 
Isaiah 7, verses 10 to 14. Emmanuel is only mentioned three times in the word of God. The first time it's mentioned is the text that we're going to look at right now. The second time it's mentioned is in chapter 8 of Isaiah, verse 8, I believe. And then the, the next time it is mentioned is in the New Testament of Matthew chapter 1. But read with me if you would. And again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, again, ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or as high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask and I will not put the Lord to the test. And he said, hear them, O house of David. Is it, not, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. We're going to look this morning at what did Emmanuel mean to Isaiah? What did Emmanuel mean to Matthew? What did Emmanuel mean to God? What does Emmanuel mean to us? So when we look at this word Emmanuel, we see the E-L at the end. The E-L references God. It means God. The rest, the rest of the word Eman um, is, is with us. So if you were actually to literally translate it, it's with us God. With us God. But we say God with us. God sent his son to take on human form. So that what? We might be saved. Although he was God, although he was the son of God, he, what, he came and took on human flesh. Emmanuel speaks both of the deity of Jesus, God with us, and his identification and nearness to man, God with us. So whether he is with the father or whether he is, he came on earth as a babe, he was with us. It's speaking of his deity. So just to give you a backdrop of Isaiah chapter 7, Ahaz, the king, was an evil man. Some of you know that he was so evil that he even sacrificed his own children to false gods. That in itself, if you hear that, would, would, you would park yourself and say, I would want nothing to do with such a man. And yet he was a king. And at this time, the Assyrian Empire, one of the superpowers um, of the day, was increasing their influence in the land and increasing their power upon the people. And because of this, Syria and Israel wanted to form an alliance, a coalition with each other or with Judah, and to oppose the power of the Assyrians because the Assyrians were their enemies. And so in their efforts, they made a proposition to King Ahaz. But King Ahaz just didn't know what to do. You see, when you don't have God in your life, when you don't have a relationship with God, you don't know what to do. You don't know where to turn. You don't know to whom to counsel with, to whom to pray to. So Ahaz vacillated in his mind. He, he went back and forth. And because he didn't give them a, 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 a decision, and because of his hesitation, Syria and Israel turned against Ahaz. And they decided that they were going to punish him because of his lukewarmness as a king towards the people. And so they wanted to remove him and put another king in power another king upon the throne of Judah, so that they could have their way. And so Ahad, Ahaz heard this news, and when he heard that Syria and Israel were against him now, he decided to take matters into his own hands, and he began to tremble. And Isaiah the prophet sent this word that we just read. Isaiah the prophet sent this word because God, God through the Isaiah prophet sent the word so that Ahaz could calm down, so that Ahaz could know, look, there is one that you could go to. There is one that you could seek an answer from. 
And Ahaz said to him, the Lord himself will give you a sign, Ahaz, or excuse me, Isaiah said to Ahaz, the Lord himself will give you a sign, Ahaz. The Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive, verse 14, and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Basically, Isaiah was saying to Ahaz, look, if you would only trust God, If you would only take this matter and put it into the hands of the Almighty, Ahaz, if you would only recognize that the King of Kings could solve this matter. Nothing is too difficult for God, Ahaz. But Ahaz did not adhere to what Elijah was saying. Elijah even went to the next level of saying to him, test God. Test him. Test him and see what he will do. But Ahaz did not want to even test God. He was too proud. He was going to rely upon his own strength and and his own power. But where did it reach him already to this point that his own people turned against him? And yet he didn't learn from that. He didn't learn that the pride of his flesh needed to be crucified. The pride of his flesh needed to subdue itself to the true king. No, instead he he took comfort in his kingly power. Even though his people were against him, he still looked to his own tress, his his own strength, his own wisdom. And so he said, it would be better to use men. So he made another treaty with the king of Assyria. And in making this treaty with the king of Assyria, the king of Assyria breaks the covenant with him. Instead of holding to the pack with Ahaz, he breaks the covenant with them. Oh, Ahaz, when will you learn? When will we learn that we don't trust in the confidence of man? Man today could say, I'm with you. Man today could be say, I'm encouraging you. Don't worry, you've got this. Man today could say, I have your back. But tomorrow, they could break covenant with their very lips. The same lips that spoke support were the same lips that defiled and tore down. Isaiah announced to Ahab, Ahab, if you had only trusted God, if you had only trusted God, if you had only put your faith in God, there was going to be a sign, and the sign was that a child was going to come, and this child would be born of a virgin, and this child's name would be called Emmanuel. And if Ahab would wait and have faith, then the day would come that this child would come to be a deliverer for the people. This child would come to remove all threats of the onslaughts of the enemy. This child would come and be the one that stands between man and his enemies. This child would come and and be that burden barrier, that one that says this far and no farther, this is my child. But Ahaz did not rely and trust in the word of God that he gave through Isaiah. And I wonder today how many sit in the church and how many listen online that have not fully put their trust yet in God to know that he is the one that is always with you. He is the one that will provide you the strength and the help to fight the battles that are ahead of you. Even if you are the CEO of a president he will be the uh, of a company he will be the one that will give you the wisdom and the knowledge that will direct that company Ahaz refused to listen to God oh but God just because one is stubborn over here it doesn't stop the power of God to move on and to continue on to bring yet the same message you might not be listening but there will be a one that will listen there will be a two that will be that will listen there will be a three that will gird themselves up in the strength of knowing Emmanuel God is with me God is with us 
So he did not withdraw his promise just because Ahaz was thick-headed and stubborn. He didn't withdraw his promise just because Ahaz was unfaithful. God was faithful to the remnant of his people and to the nation of Judah. And he says, I'm going to send this child. I'm going to send this baby, whether Ahab follows me or not. This child will be born. A virgin will conceive. And his name will be called Emmanuel. Because I want my people to know I am with them always. Always. And so for Isaiah, this is what Emmanuel meant. It was words of comfort to bring to a king. It was words of comfort to let a people know that there is a, a God who is a promise. And that promise is in a child. And that child is going to come. And the, the, the plight of their enemies having victory over them would soon be over. We can have hope tomorrow, this morning in God's grace. We can have hope tomorrow morning when we wake up in God's grace that he is with us. His faithfulness is with us even in the midst of failure. He never ceases to reveal himself to us. So God's not just looking after us. He doesn't just have his hand on us. No. He doesn't just care about us. He's not just thinking about us. But within the birth of this child that was to come would be the actual evidence of a living presence of God within us. It's nice to go for a walk. It's nice even better when you go for a walk with a friend and you talk and you have fellowship with the friend. It's nice to receive a hug on a discouraging day. It's nice to receive a word of encouragement along the way. But it's even better to have a living presence of God within us that never leaves us, that never forsakes us, that at the mention of his name, Jesus... His ear is inclined to our voice. In this child is the evidence of the living presence of God. And so we fast forward to Matthew. 400 years have passed since the last prophecy of God to his people. There hasn't been a word in the land. Nothing has been spoken. The people have not heard the voice of God in 400 years. And you're tired because you didn't hear him this week when you asked him for an answer. And you had to wait a few days. And you're tired because you've been putting a prayer request before him for a year, two years, three years, and he hasn't answered. Try 400 years. And everything is quiet. And God is not talking. Well, you could imagine that if it's that long, and it's that quiet. There's a great and mighty message that he's going to send. If you look at Matthew 1, verses 18 to 23. And it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit and her husband Joseph being just a man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save the people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Here it is. Behold, the virgin shall conceive 
and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. No word were for 400 years, but the fresh word, the living word, the anointed word that comes forth to us is that that which was spoken by the prophet is now coming to pass. This child shall be born and there will be a virgin that will conceive and this child's name will be Emmanuel, God with us. Galatians 4 and 4 tells us, and I forgot to give this verse to the ones out back. Galatians 4 and 4 tells us that in the fullness of time, in the fullness of time that Christ came. In the fullness of time. So that is to say these 400 years was just a moment because in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son to us. To us. So Emmanuel, uh, Isaiah's picture of Emmanuel is just pointing us towards that this, the picture of the birth of Christ. It's just pointing us towards. Isaiah is saying, it might not happen now, but it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Test God. Test God. You've got something on the sidelines. You have a worry. You have enemies coming against you. Test God. It's coming. Emmanuel, God with us, is coming. And he's going to signify God's saving act among his people. He's going to demonstrate the redemption power that is within him. She was found to be with a child, verse 18, from the Holy Spirit. Luke 1.35 said that the Holy Spirit overshadowed her. When he overshadowed her, what happened? She conceived, a child was conceived within her. Oh, if the, this morning, if the Holy Spirit can overshadow you with a seed of hope, with a seed of hope that God is with you. God is with you. God is with you. It didn't just happen in Matthew 1.18. It wasn't just in that time of 18 to 23 where the prophecy was declared to Joseph and Joseph found Mary to be with a child. It wasn't just for that moment in time. It wasn't just for that place in history. But it is for now as Isaiah's prophecy pointed towards Matthew. Matthew's prophecy points us to know that the same applies to you and I. The same applies to you and I. That there the, the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary and she conceived. What was it like for God to form Christ in the womb of Mary? Have you ever stopped and pondered the thought, what was it like for God to form his son in the womb of Mary? When I considered that in my thoughts and I went to Psalm 139 and I thought of David when he said to the Lord, verses 13 to 17, for you formed my inward parts, You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in the secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious are your thoughts towards me. Oh God, how vast is the sum of them. And I say, What was it like for God to form his son in the womb of Mary? When I have the backdrop of David's conversation with God, 
I have this backdrop, and so in the backdrop of these words that David shares with God in the intimacy of seeing the value of his life, I say, God, what was it like when you formed your son? The frame of Christ was not hidden from God. While he was being formed in the womb of Mary, the plan of his days were not made at that moment, but the plan of his days were made in the beginning of time. When Adam and Eve, before the earth was formed, the plan of the days of God's son, when he would be formed in the womb of Mary, were already made. They were already made. Because looking forward in time, he saw in 2022, there would be people gathering and there would be one, two, three that needed to be reminded of God's redemptive work, of God's redemptive work. John 1, verses three to four, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Nothing was made that was made. All things were made through him and by him and nothing was made that was made. And then jump down to verse 14 and the word became flesh and what? Dwelt among us. What was that word? Have you ever considered what that word was? When you consider what that word was, it was Jesus. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. That word was Jesus. Well, where was Jesus? Well, when you go to Genesis, when you go to the creation of time, have you ever considered where Jesus was? To some, they would say, I, well, I never really considered Jesus as being part of the Genesis theory, as being part of the creation theory, because after all, you know, Jesus is a New Testament figure. But no, in the beginning was the word. So what happened in Genesis? What happened in Genesis chapter 1 verse 1? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And so now we right away see that we have God the Father and God the Holy Spirit, and we've only read verses 1 and 2. But where is Jesus? Where is Jesus in the picture? And God said, and God said, in the beginning was the word. And God said, verse, one, verse 3 and verse 6, and God said, let there be an expanse. And then verse 9, and God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered. Then verse 11, God said again, let the earth sprout vegetation. And then verse 14, and God said, where is Jesus in the creation story? Where is Jesus in the beginning of the world? It was in God said, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. Verse 20, God said, let the waters swarm and with swarms of living creatures. Verse 22, God blessed them, saying. Verse 24, God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures. Verse 26, God said, let us make man in our image. Let us make man in our image after the, our likeness. Verse 28, God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Verse 29, and God said, behold, I've given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. And then chapter two, God commanded them saying, where was Jesus? Not one of the days of Jesus, as, he wa as God watched him being formed in the womb of Mary, not one of his days was hidden because his days were ordained from the beginning of time because where was he? He was the word. He was the 
word. If I am saying words, I am speaking. Jesus was in the beginning before the beginning began to begin. He was the living word. What was his role? He was a speaking role because he was the living word. Jesus, God with us. God with us. So what was it like when Jesus and God had that departure? When God said to his son, it is time now. It is time that you go and fulfill the work that I've called you to do. What was that grand moment like for God to watch his son leave? How many of you have had to say goodbye to your children and they're just going down the street or going on a short trip? (laughs) But you're saying goodbye to a son that's going to go and lay down his life. What was it like we have small glimpses for, to let us know what it was like for Jesus, what their relationship was like before he came to earth. In John 14, he said to his, excuse me, John 17, he said to his father, I have done everything that you have asked me to do. Now glorify, I have glorified you in everything that I have said. On earth. Now, Father, glorify me in your presence with what? The glory I had with you before the world existed. Oh, you think you're in love with your spouse. Hmm. And you think that when she walks by you, your whole world spins around. Oh, and you think just the smell of his cologne sends you wild. But Jesus and his father had a glory in their relationship. There was a glory in that sphere of the heavenlies that they had together that Jesus was now longing to have restored with his father. So we get a glimpse of Jesus there praying, now father restore to me the glory that we had before. Restore, restore. Jesus, God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, they were all in the creation story. From the fall of man, through the years of Israel's love and rebellious relationship with God, right to the farewell of the threshold of God, the Father sending forth his Son, and the Holy Spirit brooding over Mary, the Father is saying goodbye. The Holy Spirit is brooding, brooding over Mary. And she was to be found with a child. Jesus was not the Savior that came just to be the means of a celebration of Christmas, of what man calls Christmas. Jesus came to be with us. He came to be with us. He came to dwell inside of us. What was it like for Jesus to be formed in the womb? Can you put yourself, consider David, go back to Psalm 139 and consider David, and can you put yourself now in the eyes of Jesus who sees all and knows all? And as he watched his heart form in, his, in the womb of Mary, and he knew when he saw his heart take its first beat, he knew what it would be like for that heart to be broken by man. He knew what it was like to feel the emotions of pain when man breaks the heart of the father. He knew what it would be like. What about as he watched his little arms stretch out and his little hands form? Oh, he knew what it would be like to then lift a child up and say, Talitha Kumi. He knew what it was like to touch the leprous. He knew what it was like to touch those that were sick 
and then later stretched forth his arms. He knew that as he saw those arms and those hands, that they would one day be stretched out. To feel the piercing of a nail. And that piercing of a nail would be for the demonstration of his love towards us. What was it like that as that womb became tighter and as that womb became enclosed more around him because he was growing and he couldn't stretch out his legs, what it would be like that he knew those legs would carry him from city to city, sharing the truth of who he was, being the deliverer of who he was, demonstrating the power of his father in all of his might. Those feet and those legs would carry him. What was it like for Jesus to watch himself be formed in the womb of Mary? To know that that flesh that was being formed would only one day die. Those legs that would carry him, those feet that would walk, would one day be nailed to a beam. And they would do everything to hold him within that place. What was it like as he looked and saw his lungs form? To know that there would come a time when in exhaustion and in suffocation, he would breathe his last breath and cry out, Father, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Oh, we could feel the pain of a father saying goodbye to a son as he is leaving the heavenly glory to go to fulfill the work that God has called them to do because none of the days of Christ were hidden from God because they were established by God. And they were established with Jesus in the beginning. But did we ever stop to consider that child being formed, what he felt, and still willfully willfully broke through the birthing he is the breaking forth he willfully broke through so that you and i can have redemption so that you and i can have a savior because unless the son of god would come there would be no savior emmanuel God with us. What was it like for Jesus in that dark womb to watch himself? Taking on the form of flesh, yet very much God. Very much God. Knowing he's going to come and dwell among us to be the representation in this short time of my life, I will dwell among you in flesh. But when I go to the Father, I will dwell within you in spirit through the representation of my Holy Spirit because I am Emmanuel, God with us, God with you, God in you to demonstrate his power and his glory. Oh, when we engage with Emmanuel, when we have that regular relationship with him, when we have that communication with him, that prayer time with him, we begin to demonstrate what 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, that we are being transformed. From glory to glory. That what? So that Christ would be revealed in us. Are being transformed into the same image. Christ being revealed the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Walking with Jesus. Talking with Jesus. 
those times that we have spent in the secret with him, those times we have talked with him as though he was right next to us, those times you've been in your car driving and you're just having a conversation with God and you could hear him in your heart saying, "Mm -hmm, I know, I know, I know it's tough. I know it's difficult. I feel your pain. I understand it. I get it. But I'm right here. You're not alone. I'm right here with you. I'm Emmanuel. I'm with you always. Whatever conversations of God that, uh, that you've had with God, whatever seed of his word that you have taken and just eaten from it and meditated on it day in and day out, they've planted themselves within your soul. Whatever truths of his word that you have just made fixed within your mind so that you could make it through yet another day, another year. These things, as you do them consistently, will manifest the very image of God through you. Why? Because the one whom you spend the most time with is the one you will be like. Who are you spending your time with? This is why when Jesus was with his disciples and he knew that the time was coming, that he would be leaving them, it was a heavy burden upon his heart and he knew that he had to tell them to prepare their hearts because he had just spent three years with them in daily ministry. He watched their faith grow. He watched them in the very essence of who they were, if they would have arguments above them, amongst themselves as to who was better. But Jesus was concerned, and he wanted them to know, listen, I'm going, but in my Father's house, John 14, are many rooms. There's many rooms in my Father's house, There are many rooms, if it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place? And if I go to prepare a place, what? I will come again and take you to myself that where I am you may be also because Jesus didn't want to just tell them he was leaving. He didn't want to just tell them that he wasn't going to be with them anymore, but he wanted to let them know, I'm going to come and get you because we're going to spend eternity together because I don't want to be away from you as much as you don't want to be away from me. But don't let your heart be troubled. I'm going to send someone. I'm going to send someone to be the comforter. Why? Because Emmanuel is always with us. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. And so Jesus, knowing that he would fleshly leave his disciples, he tells them his comforter is going to come. Verses 27 to 30. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. Not as the world gives. I give you, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. I am going away, but I will come again. I will come again. I will come again. That's the promise that would come with the presence of the Holy Spirit. That beautiful Holy Spirit that we can talk to, that we can have that could convince and convict us of our sins, that could dwell within us everywhere we go, that wonderful, beautiful Holy Spirit. This was God's desire. He wanted to be with us, not separated from us. It was never his intent to be separated from man. When God created Adam and Eve, he created the Garden of Eden. It was for fellowship. It was for relationship. He walked with them in the garden. He communed with them. He didn't hide from Adam. He didn't hide his face from man. No. No, God didn't hide, but Adam hid. 
Adam hid Genesis 3 and 9. God said to him, Adam, where are you? Where are you, Adam? God felt that separation. Adam, where are you? Where, Adam? Not because God didn't know where he was. Don't be confused by the question. God wanted Adam to realize he had removed himself from God. Where are you? Where are you? Where's your relationship with God? God was the one who called out to him. It's all about the desire for God to be with man, not man desiring God. You see, if it was about our desiring God, it wouldn't accomplish much because today we're this way and tomorrow we're that way. And today we're on a high spiritual, God bless you, I'm blessed and highly favored and we're on a spiritual high and hallelujah and glory to God and tomorrow, blah. Oh, how are you? All right. I'm sorry, what'd you say? All right. And we're all defeated. And we're all discouraged. And we're all a mess. It wasn't us who desired God that made him to desire to send forth his son as a representation that he would always be with us. It was his desire to always be with us. And so that we would know he said through the prophet Isaiah, Emmanuel. There's going to be a child, and he will be with you. Don't worry about the enemies you face in your day. Don't worry about the trials you face. Don't worry about the battles you fight. Don't worry about the circumstances that are overwhelming you, the storms of life that penetrate up against your house over and over and over again. Don't worry about that Emmanuel God with us. Moses tells the people, if you seek the Lord in Deuteronomy 4.29, if you seek the Lord your God, you will find him if you look for him with all your heart and with all your soul. Some people have said, I just don't feel God. I, I, just, don't, I just don't feel him. I, I just can't see him in this world the way things are going. Well, if you search for him, and you look for him, when the sun comes up in the morning, you'll see him. When the moon lights the sky at night and you go to put the garbage to the curb and you can see where you're going because the moon lit up the sky, you'll see him because he's there. To the soul who is searching, you will find. Oh, but to the proud and to the haughty, I don't see God anywhere. Where is your God? I'm sorry you're so blind. Perhaps it's the sun in your eyes. <laughs> the Bible says that even the numbers of, our, on our, of the hairs on our head, even the numbers. You tracking with me? Even the hairs on our head are numbered. You know, every time you comb your hair and you find hair in the brush, God's like, oh yeah, that was number 5,642 of their life. <laughs> Matthew 10 and 30. Even the, num- the very hairs on your head are all numbered. God says, I am with you. This is God's most frequent promise in the word of God. Look it up. Make it your homework for today. Meditate on it from now till Christmas. I am with you. I am with you. Get your concordance out and read it. I am with you. I am with you. I am with you. And I am with you. I am with you. I am with you. I am with you. That's what God wants you to know. Enoch walked with God, and Moses, when he was afraid of what he would do, how was he going to represent Egypt? And he's talking to God, and he's like, how can I go? And God's like, don't worry, Moses. I have it all covered. Just tell them that I I am has sent you. And Moses, a stammering man, didn't have all that sort of confidence, but when the I am steps into him, 
and empowers him, he stands before Pharaoh. You see, when you recognize that the I am is with you, you will stand before any enemy that is before you. And you will no longer have that tremoring lip and that stammering foot because you will know that the I am of the I am is with you. What did he do for the children of Israel in the wilderness of Exodus 21 and 22? He provided a cloud before them, a pillar of a cloud, and led them along the way, and by night a pillar of fire to give them light that they may travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not what? Depart. It did not depart. It did not depart. You know why? Because I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm Emmanuel. The cloud's not going to depart. The fire's not going to depart because I'm with you. I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. I am with you. I am God. I am Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus, just as he was commissioning his disciples before he left, he said to them, surely I'm with you always, even to the very end of the age. He is with us always and in all ways. Are you going through a storm today? <laughs> oh, I'm not going through a storm. I'm, I'm, I'm actually doing very well. Thank you very much. That's good. That's because God is with you. Has the sea been raging and hitting up against the boat? God is with you. Matter of fact, look, he's in the boat. He's not worried. He's at the bow of the boat at the very bottom, keeping it stabilized. <laughs> you know, big ships have stabilizers. Well, Jesus, when he was in the bottom of the boat, was keeping it stabilized. Those disciples didn't even see that they had the stabilizer of all times keeping them on that raging water. Whatever storms you are going through, God is with us. Emmanuel. 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 God is with us. He came to stay. He came to dwell. He came to walk among us. He came to reside within us by the representation of his Holy Spirit. Maybe you think you're on your own, but you're not. God is with you. Maybe you feel left out. You're not. God's standing beside you. No matter how lonely you are, no matter how weary you are, God is with you. You don't have to run and hide. You don't have to divorce yourself from the future promises of God. That's what Joseph was en route to do. Here he was betrothed to Mary. In those days to be betrothed was as good as being married. So he's betrothed to her and he's going to divorce the plans that were laid out before him by taking the matters into his own hand. And God said, wait, 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 wait. And he sends a dream. Joseph, that which is conceived in Mary has been put there by the Holy Spirit. God has a plan for you. And that which has been conceived in you has been put there by God. And he's not going to let any enemy from hell divert his plan for your life by giving you a fear of what man will do. I'll just quietly divorce myself from this situation. God has a plan. He has a plan. He has a plan, and he has a plan, and he has a plan. And his purpose is in that plan. And that plan 
has one main ingredient. He will not leave you abandoned in the plan because he is with you all ways, all ways, all ways. You mean when I go to the right, when I should have gone to the left, he'll be with me all ways, all ways. You mean when I'm feeling discouraged and I'm out, down and out and, I've, and, and, and I'm ridden with disease? All ways. You mean when everybody's against me? All ways. You mean when I fail time and time and time again? All ways. Because he has a plan. And his plan is that he sent forth his son for your redemption to pay the price for you that you may be saved so that he could forever dwell with you in his presence in eternity for all the days. Where do you stand today? Where is God today? Always. Tomorrow our life can change in just a moment. In just a twinkle of, a, of an eye. We could just blink our eye and everything could change. For some, a tragedy can happen. Everything could change. We got news last night while I was preparing for this uh, sermon of a family member, 48 years old, suddenly just died of a heart attack. Doctors did whatever they could. Left behind a wife of 47, she was only 47, and three daughters. Like that. Like that. You could wake up today and think that you have many more days to commit your life to Jesus. But like that, it could be taken from you. Like that. You can have the appearance of health and then just like that, everything could be snuffed from you. God with us. Who today would say, I need a savior. I need a savior. Because I've taken the salvation gift advantage. By advantage, I just, meh. Yeah, Jesus, I believe in you. You know, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take that kind of salvation. Oh, no, no, no. Jesus wants a living relationship with you. And this season of Christmas, it's not the actual season in which Christ was born. It's a man-made time. But the fact that Christ was born is not man-made. It's God-made. And it's God-made custom for you. Custom for you. His plan for you is not the same as his plan for me, but it is custom. It's custom. He is Emmanuel, God with us forever and for always. God with us. You see, Jesus is not just the reason for the season. He is the reason we live and breathe and have our being because he is the same yesterday in creation. He is the same today as we stand and worship him and he will forever be the same. God with us. Let's stand. And I wonder if this morning there would be any that would say, Pastor Melody, I've been in that place of doubting God's presence in my life. I've been in that place where I needed to be reminded that he is never leaving me. He is never forsaking me. Pastor Melody, I go about every day And most of the time, I don't make acknowledgement of God. 
I make more acknowledgement of my aches and pains and my lacks thereof than I do of the God who gave me life to awaken yet another day. I need to be reminded that God is with me. Today, I, I, I need to submit to him for this holiday season that as much as concerns me from today forward, I will live for him. I will acknowledge daily, my God is with me. My God is with me. He is with me always. He will never leave me. He will never forsake me. That's not just for those who need to commit their life in salvation. It's for those of us who get crusty and moldy, who get stale like a slice of bread left on the counter as you went to work. And when you came home, the bread got hardened by the air that was in the house. You see, sometimes we go about our days and we get hardened within us because the world that is around us. We need to come to the altar and refresh ourselves. Emmanuel. 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 God with us. God with me. God with me always. God with me always. I'm opening the altar to you. The first thing I want to make open to is for those that want to surrender their heart to Jesus, just stand in front of the poinsettias that are here. And the second invitation is for those that just want to spend time in the presence of God. We finished early enough brothers and sisters, early enough that your roast that you set to be ready for one is still okay. Early enough that you could spend some time in the presence of God at the altar. Early enough that you could just spend some time at the altar seeking his face because for some of you, it's going to be what carries you all week. And for others, you, it will be that marker in the sand that from today forward, you will take your walk with Christ more seriously. For those that want salvation, right in front of the poinsettias, for those that just want to seek the face of God and worship Him and adore Him, we don't have to wait for Christmas Day to enjoy the beautiful gift of eternal life that came through a child. We can enjoy it today here and now as the worship team leads and sings would you come
I believe that there are more, but for some reason, you're just being like Ahaz. <laughs> Wasn't that big of a deal. You knew all along God was with you. It didn't hit you like you think it should have. Ahaz had a mind like that. That's not for all of you that have remained back. That's just for some that are wavering like Ahaz did. Not acknowledging their need for God. Not acknowledging that their empowerment only comes through Him. That in order to be a king, in order to be a great leader in the world that is around you, in order to be that impact, you have to be impacted by the God of the heavens and the earth. Just because the music is playing or things got quiet, it doesn't stop the invitation to the altar. Come. don't come I ask one thing don't be a spectator of those around you but engage with God so much so that those around you are touched by the fire of God that is visiting you that they sense and feel the very warmth of his presence because you right there in that pew have made an altar of sacrifice your life in exchange for the presence of him dwelling and living inside of you thank you jesus